guys, welcome to another episode of Really Social Estate. Before we start this phenomenal, phenomenal interview with Ellie Perlman, you're going to see we're going to get so much information, so much tremendous value to learn how she went from coming all the way to the States from Israel and building this real estate empire with currently 2,000 units under management. So, but first of all, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Matthew Baltel. He has this phenomenal podcast that you, you should go and check it out. It's called The Real Estate Journeys. You can find it on iTunes. Basically, they're talking about how to wake, get a wake-up call and help you to build your cash flow real estate empire you deserve. This is all about the real estate investors who have escaped the soul-crushing 9-to-5 rat race by taking action, leveraging relationships, and getting that financial independence they financially deserve. It's time to stop making excuses and get the insight and knowledge you need to become a successful real estate investor. So this guys, this podcast is definitely for you to go and check. So make sure you go and check it out in iTunes. I'm sure you're going to find it all over the place. SoundCloud podcast, you know, breaker, just go and subscribe it. It's tremendous value this man is providing. So big shout out for you, Matthew Voltel. Keep crushing, keep doing your thing. And let's go and start this phenomenal interview with Ellie Perlman. So another very special show. And today I'm very excited for this one. As I told Ellie before we started, I just love seeing ladies getting involved in the real estate space. They're doing some phenomenal, phenomenal things like this lady who is sitting here today in front of us. She accomplished so much. And as you're going to see here in a second, I'm just going to read through the bio and you will see exactly what I mean probably here more than see, but Ellie Perlman sitting here in front of you today. She's a real estate investor who owns multifamily properties across the US. Ellie is the founder and CEO of Blue Lake Capital. That's Blue Lake Capital, a real estate investing firm specializing in multifamily investments. At Blue Lake Capital, Ellie helps investors grow their wealth by investing alongside uh, in her uh, large multifamily deals. She also leads a mentoring program, Ready to Scale, where she coaches people to become multifamily syndicators while building a syndication business and scaling it. So she started her career as a commercial real estate lawyer, leading the real estate transactions for Israel's largest real estate company. Later, she tra uh, transitioned to a property manager role and oversaw properties worth over $100 million. So, and it just continues, it says Ellie, she holds a master's in law, MBA from MIT Sloan School of Management. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, uh, going to be coming up in the conversation, but she's a Forbes author and a real estate investing podcast host. So you should go and check it out, her podcast, because it's pretty insane. She's bringing a lot of wealth of knowledge, you know, in real estate investing. So you should go and check it out. And as always, you're going to find a link below for that. But first of all, I just want to say a big thank you for being today on the show. And I'm sure we're going to have a good time in here today. So thank you, Ellie. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So listen, uh, for the people who are watching, you know, you maybe first time they kind of discovered you like, well, you know, well, it's a beautiful lady sitting in front of us. She's a real estate investor. So maybe she can tell us the journey because before uh, you, you have, of course, the master's in law and uh, you kind of pursue, you know, the path of becoming a lawyer, you know? So how does somebody who is doing the law, you know, transition into real estate investing? 
Um, that's a really good question. You know, my my journey begins in Israel. I grew up in a in a very poor family, and I had to, you know, work. I remember first work I've done was cleaning houses when I was nine or ten years old to support my parents, and so that kind of instilled that desire in me to get out of that out of poverty and and become self sustain you know have a self-sustaining career and take care of myself mm -hmm. and that was a driver behind every decision that i've ever made until today and i don't think it's ever going to to change it doesn't matter you know when you're coming from a really tough background even when you're super successful super, you know you can be a millionaire it doesn't matter that fire is never going to go away because you grew in a certain environment and that shaped your personality, it shaped your reality, no matter what you do and how successful you are. And um, at some point, I realized that education was my way out. And that's why it took me a few years to get into law school. And I, I was taking care of really, really big real estate deals. And I enjoyed it to some extent. Um, but at some point, you know, I realized that, hey, I'm actually not in the right place because I was representing clients that were building beautiful projects in Eastern Europe and buying multifamily properties and buying offices. And I said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to be my clients. This is how I'm going to build wealth, not by billing by the hour, because when I'm sick, I'm not billing anything. I don't have any income. But my clients, doesn't matter yeah. what they do, they have steady, you know, stream of income. That was the first time that I actually realized, realized the beauty in real estate. And um, I've decided to quit my job as a lawyer and transitioned to a property management role because I wanted to really learn how to manage mm -hmm. properties. And I did it for about five years. And after that, I realized, okay, the next progression in my career is to learn the business side and understand financial reports, understand marketing and how to start and scale companies. And at that point, I was, I think I was 30 years old. I moved to the States and I went to MIT and I got my MBA degree. And shortly after that, I started buying real estate and I basically, you know, use my education and experience as a lawyer, as a real estate lawyer, as a property manager, and my education from my MBA program. You know, I, it was a great uh, two years back in Cambridge in in, um, in Massachusetts because I really I was exposed to the tech to the tech side and how to start businesses, and I kind of implemented everything in the company Blue Lake that I've started and. We own over 2,000 units across the U.S. We, wow. we basically buy properties in strong locations that need a little bit of love. So we renovate the interiors of the units. So for instance, we'll come in and we'll, we'll take out the carpets because in the U.S. carpet is kind of a, a dated, kind of an old fashioned mm -hmm. um, flooring. And we're going to put some wood floor uh, or vinyl floor, which is the, the ch a very cheap um semi not really wood flooring but it's uh it, it's yeah, a yeah. great substitution and we're gonna replace for instance all the white appliances and bring either black or stainless steel appliances paint the property and basically make it look a little bit nicer so we can say hey you know the average rents are a thousand dollars we're gonna put some money 
and improve the property. And now rents are going to mm-hmm. be $1,200 a month. And yeah. that's how you create wealth. And that's basically what's, what is driving our cash flow. It's part of the, it's part of that, right? It's part of the creating wealth is increasing the NOI, yeah. which is net operating in, income of the property. And that's how we increase the value overall because multifamily is mm-hmm. based on a, you know, NOI more than appreciation, right? So yeah. talking about, talking about, cause you took us, you know, 200 miles an hour right now from where you started into where you are right now. If you kind of go back into where you started, because that's what I would like to take it apart a little bit, just for people to see, because now what they see is just this successful person sitting in front of them with 2000 units under management is like, whoa, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard for, for them maybe to digest these type of numbers because there's a lot, millions, you know, dollars under your management. I'm sure you have a team that, you know, helps you to, to do that as well. But like, how does somebody get infected with that bug? Like I need to create the wealth, not just for myself, but the people who are, you know, around me and just, you know, like, is it the books? Is it the people? Like, how did it happen for you? For me, it was just my reality, just growing up in that environment and the uncontrollable desire to not be in the same place ever, ever, to do whatever I can not to be in the same place where, you know, we had food delivered to us that was basically donations before the big holidays in in Israel because we couldn't really afford buying, um, you know, food in several times. And so just not being in that place um, and succeed because you wanted to improve your life and improve, you know, from becoming the bottom, from living as someone who's in the bottom of society, you want, at least that's what I felt. I felt that I had to push myself out and I, I had to take care of myself and I, I had nobody really to trust because no one would take care of me. Of course I had my parents, they were loving yeah. parents, but financially I had no back. I had I had to create myself and reinvent myself over and over again until I found I was on the right path to create mm-hmm. that, you know, financial stability. And that's where it, it comes from. Wow. That's, that's very powerful. And I want people to understand that how powerful that is because, you know, we're not going to talk about the mindset a lot, but like anybody who, who came across, you know, people in the mind, mindset industry kind of, you know, so you already know that people operate in two ways they either get pulled by something big, some enormous goal in front of them, or they either get pushed by this enormous problem, which that, that's what it was in your case, I think. You probably had some goals that you set up for yourself as well, and that's where you, you know, came to the States and, you know, that happened. But, uh, you know, those problems definitely are a big motivator for, for a lot of people, definitely for me as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of the listeners are probably looking at everything that I've accomplished and saying, Oh my God, how can you really go from zero to where you are right now? But it didn't mm-hmm. happen overnight. And yeah. definitely, you know, my goals evolved and changed all the time. So when I was in my early twenties, making $3,000 a month was the absolute goal for me. That's what yeah. I saw in front of me. And my focus it wasn't to become a multimillionaire or to own 10,000 units or whatever it is. The goal was, okay, I want to go from earning $500 a month to $3,000. Now this is ambitious, but it's also achievable. And, and that when, when you really, when you're, when you have a goal that is ambitious and achievable, you can actually get it. And then once you get it, you say, okay, I got it. It wasn't, 
you know, I, I, I accomplished my mission. Now, okay, what's the next goal? And from there, it's yeah. easy to climb instead of being at the very start and say, oh, I want to own a billion. I want to own a billion dollars you know, worth of yeah, properties. Yeah. Okay, that's great. But you need to start at, a, at the level that you can almost feel it, almost touch it. Because then when things are going to get tough and they always are at some point, it's very demor- demoralizing because the goal is so unattainable when you just start. Yeah. Many people just give up. Yeah. It's like climbing an Everest, you know, like you, you, you need to start at the bottom, you know. And yeah. for some people, they're already thinking like you still, still need to visualize because maybe that's another part, like you need to visualize climbing and reaching the top. But for some people, if you're starting at the bottom, bottom, like because that's where I started, it was even impossible for me even to visualize the top, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's what it takes sometimes, you know, to go from that 500 to 3000 and maybe you can give, you know, a few tips. How did you do that? And the reason I'm asking, because prior to interview starting, I mentioned, you know, if we just talk about the Corona, what's going on. And I think that could be an important message for people because as you know, currently, currently I'm not up to date with what's going on in the States. Last time I heard that 22 million people are unemployed currently. So right. I'm pretty sure it's huge numbers all over across the world, you know, and it's, it, and it's a, you know, it's kind of shame what's going on right now. And, you know, hopefully things are going to go, go back to normal, but people kind of now are forced uh, maybe to learn new skills and maybe to, to, to get the mindset, you know? So, and that's why I wanted to have you on again, because, Real estate is definitely an answer, getting another income source, which we, of course, can talk about that. But first of all, how do you put yourself in a state of mind when you're earning $500, let's say, like in your case, and it's like, okay, now I'm going to start earning $3,000 a month. How does it happen? Yeah, very interesting question. I think, and it all starts with a mindset, but it's not enough to have just the right mindset because a great mindset without an actionable plan will lead you nowhere, right? So, I mean, looking at at everything as an opportunity to grow and say, okay, this is the situation right now. How can I protect myself so the next time it's going to happen? And I'm not saying that the another pandemic is going to happen, but we will have multiple recessions moving forward because it's cyclical, yep. right? We have every 17 years, there's another recession. How am I protecting myself now? So with the next, when the next recession hits, I'm not going to be, you know, my assets are not going to, you know, if you're investing in the stock market, are not going to get a 15 or 20% hit, which my 401k did, by the way, which I have a very small amount there because m- most of my wealth is in real estate and my real estate valuation has increased. Um, but that's one, you know, way of getting impacted by the pandemic, but it starts with the right mindset of saying, I have two ways of looking. And and I think people are generally, they're one of, of two types of kind of thinkers. Either you say, this is a very difficult situation. You, You let it affect you in a negative way and you feel desperate, you feel scared. And at times it's okay to feel like this, but if, if this is your ongoing mindset, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is what's going to happen because yeah. it was, e- you know, it was easy for me at a very young age. And I was also married at the age of 19 and then things were really bad um, because I, I didn't have even enough food to sometimes buy groceries. So you do one of two things. You either say, 
this is the situation and it's a bad situation. I don't know what to do and sink deeper into that negativity. Or you say, okay, mm. this is the situation. It's bad. But what can I do today to get myself out of this situation? Let, let's try and reinvent myself or think creatively how I can become stronger. So the next time there's going to be a recession or if I'm going to lose my job or whatever happens, I'm in a better position to take care of myself financially and understand that this, the, those things, those, um, you know, blocks on the roads are going to hit you over and over because this is life. That's part yeah. of life. And once you understand, you know, kind of look at it as there's a problem, we need to solve it. Look at it as, as a, you know, you need to be a problem solver. That's mm -hmm. kind of the right mindset that worked for me. I'm not saying it's the only mindset to approach this, but this is what worked for me because then when I see it as a problem, I'm a, I'm, I love to solve problems. So for me, it motivates me to say, okay, this is a problem. Okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What can I do to improve, um, you know, to improve my, my situation right now? And you brainstorm and you think of ways and that, but that's the first step. And then the second one is, okay, now I have a few ideas and now let's start implementing. So even if you don't have money right now and you want to get into real estate, there are some very cheap or free ways to take the first step in getting out of the situation that you are right now. One of them is education and education always helped me. So what you can do, you can start educating yourself about real estate because this is now a great time. It's, it's not a really great time to start buying right now if you haven't bought anything or if you have no direction and no one to mentor you. Yeah. But if you want to start on your own, buy a $50, $30 real estate book and start learning. You can go online. There's a great website called biggerpockets.com where you have mm -hmm. a lot of real estate investors and information is free. They have a lot of free webinars. It's absolutely free. And I'm not affiliated with them. There's another, you, know, you can get there. there. Sorry for interrupting. There is another great website that's called elliperlman.com as well. Also, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, or, or you can go to my website, elliperlman.com and you have um, yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, free resources, templates and guides, and um, yeah. you can read my blog. And this is the great time for, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It just costs you your time in the right mindset yeah. to start reading about it, to start processing, to start making the shift. So when you're ready to take the next step, you already know what you need to know about the fundamentals of real estate investing. That's very interesting. I, I love the fact that you mentioned you that you lo love solving problems. And that's probably why you became commercial real estate lawyer, because you probably solved some big problems you know, in that place. But, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because I want to talk about one thing that you mentioned before. It's kind of, you know, you went from, let's say in that case, from 500 to 3000. And now you're in a position when it's like, okay, like, uh, like, we are not the IRS. So you don't have to tell us how much money you're making. But I mean, you're creating wealth at this situation right now with the 2000, you know, units, it's no brainer, right? But it's not the wealth that motivates you. So maybe if you can talk about like what motivates you right now in this current moment, if it's not wealth, you know, because again, there's a lot of things like money is very important for a lot of people right now, but maybe it's the wrong focus. And that's what I want to talk, you know, maybe if you can mention like what you're focusing on right now. 
Yeah, I think at first, a lot of people are, are motivated, including me when I started, they are motivated by money because when you don't have enough, it's a survival mm-hmm. issue. So you have to have yeah. money to pay the bills, to secure your retirement, um, to buy food. But once you're past that hurdle and you say, okay, I'm the necessities, I can pay for the necessities, then you start feeling that, okay, at this point, money is not, it's not it. There's got to be something more. And it's different for everyone. For me, part of it is taking care of my family members. Some of them, you know, still need help. So that's a huge uh, motivation for me. And the other part is, in, it's it's the feeling that I have a lot of potential that I can fulfill, and if I I don't use, you know, mm. my my time and my energy to fulfill this, I don't even know how to call it exactly, but you have some potential that, and you know that if you're going to work hard, you can create, yeah. you know, a company with X amount of units under management, and if you don't meet that goal, you feel that you have something, you know, your talent is going to waste. And this is kind of another driver. Um, I would say that's the second thing to feel that you are living a fulfilled life. And part of it is take your potential and make something out of it and, and really use your potential to the maximum of your ability, which is something that when I was an employee was really missing because my potential was used only for what the company needed at that point. And I felt that I had so much more and I knew I could do more, but if it didn't match what my employer needed, then, you know, that part, there was still a little bit of frustration because I I know I can do more. The third part is um, I would say freedom when it comes to your time. So I work Mm -hmm. really hard. I work harder than I've ever worked, but I also have control over my time. So when I feel that I need to take a few days off or the day off or whatever it is, I have the freedom to do so. If I want to, you know, go to New Zealand, I came back actually from New Zealand a few months ago. I can work remotely from there for months and I, I have the freedom to do it. I can travel. I can do, you know, I can start working in the middle of the day. Technically. I mean, I'm always working, from the morning until the evening, but you have freedom because you don't have someone that can say, Hey, yeah. you need to work at this time from, you know, nine to five. And with my employees, I have the same approach. I don't care how much, how many hours you work. I care about delivery. Mm-hmm. This is your goal. If you don't hit your, meet your goal, then we have a problem. But if you not only meet the goal, you crush your goals, then it doesn't matter. You can work four hours a day. I, yeah. I really don't care. It's all about getting those goals and, and, and that's a huge motivator also in keep really good talent. That's beautiful. I love, I love these three steps. I think it's going to be super valuable for people who are listening here. So thank you for sharing that. I would love to come back to the point that you mentioned about this kind of thing that you couldn't describe as the potential, you know, because again, a lot of people will relate 120%. And that's why I love the story that you said, you know, like having being in a position where it's like, maybe the family is suffering, maybe there's, you know, like situation that you've been through, you know, yourself personally. And I've been through those situations many times myself when I was growing up, you know? So, but there's this thing, mythical thing called potential, right? So how does someone tap into that? Cause you did that. Yeah. 
a lifelong journey. It's, uh, it's pretty challenging. I think the first step is to find out what is kind of quantifying your potential. And it takes a lot of thinking and life experiences going through different, I would say, careers sometimes until you feel, you feel that this is what that this is basically what you can do. But until you go through, you know, I was a lawyer and then I was a property manager. Uh, I went to, to MIT and then, you know, just figuring out that I used to be the, the star student in high school and in law school. And all of a sudden I'm in a very different school where everyone is a star. So where does it leave me? Where is my place in, in, in this mm. kind of universe? And you really have to go through those different st stages in life to really understand what's your, what's your potential. Um, and I would say it's for me, what helped me find what my potential is and believe in myself that I can actually do it is by listening to people that were inspiring to me. And I started, you know, I read Sam Zell's book and he has a really great book called, am I speaking loud enough? I think, or am I being loud enough? Um, he's a great real estate investor and yeah. he's done a lot of things besides real estate. Um, and I've listened to podcasts where people were, you know, pretty wealthy, successful people. And they were talking about what they've done. And I found it very interesting and very inspiring and made me feel that, wait a minute, they, if I, you know, I can hear them speak, I can sometimes see them speaking at podcasts. I read their books, I read their bios and their journey. I can do it. That, that was the first step for me to understand that until you really get close to those people and, you know, the one-sided, uh, you know, process because they're not interacting with you, but you read mm. about them, you listen to them. It makes you feel like you can really do it because they, they seem, you know, they're ordinary people. They're extraordinary because they've achieved a lot, yeah. but it makes, it, it's very inspiring. And this is how you start finding, you know, that's what I did. And that's why how I started kind of finding uh, real estate very attractive. I, I really enjoyed listening to those investors and that kind of what shaped my, um, my view of how I wanted to build my wealth. Yeah. And yeah, it's, that, that, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult, you know, I know, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how I do you, it. You're handling it very well, by the way. So don't worry about that. But yeah, I, I know. So it's, it's kind of those type of topics where we can like wander off into the universe and start talking about, you know, like how people tap into those things. And of course, what you said, it's so true. Like if, you know, sometimes that's what it takes for you to go through multiple jobs and just get that, you know, the ups and downs and the struggles and, you know, when the struggles become so bad, like you remember coming back to when the problems just push you so much, you're like, okay, I need to change the directions. And that's what we people, you know, probably see, you know, changing directions, going from being a teacher to investor or, you know, vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that is very awesome. Thanks for sharing, you know, about that. So it's kind of, now we're starting to learn, you know, how you got involved into real estate. And, you know, first of all, how did you pick like the real estate? Cause there's, you know, multiple uh, ways that somebody can build wealth. So why particular real estate? How did you came across that message was like real estate? Yeah. Um, if you're asking how I found 
how I kind of chose to the, yeah. the asset class that I focused on or real estate? Oh, in just, just in general, because probably then you mm -hmm. narrow down to the asset class. I'm just guessing, but. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, I was listening to real estate, um, you know, investors, uh, very successful entrepreneurs. How did you came, how did you came across how did you came across these investors? I mean, have you listened to the podcast previously? Have you read the book, or I mean, it, it or just came back from like came from nowhere? Yeah, all of the above. Um, I mean, when I was a lawyer early in my career, I I've, I already had this passion and interest in real estate, and I already wanted to be my clients. Um, and then yeah. after, you know, when I started, when I went to MIT, I started to enjoy the entrepreneurial world a bit more and read more about investors and entrepreneurs and all of them were, almost all of them were invested in real estate. Um, so listening to podcasts um, and reading books were really interesting to me until I kind of figured, you know, I went, I, I was trying to decide which path to go, should I start a company? And there was a potential co-founder uh, that I could have gone you know, and, and opened a company with, or should I go with real estate or maybe the stock market? And I realized that out of those three, you know, stock market, real estate, or startups, I really, I felt strong attraction to real estate. There was something mm. more, I would say stable when it comes yeah. to real estate. I can see it. I can feel it. It's something that I could relate to yeah. much more. And I thought it was a good reason why the wealthiest people in the world have, you know, they own real estate. And yeah. so that's, um, that's what brought me to real estate eventually. Very interesting. So, okay. So once you got involved into real estate and you kind of start seeing the benefits of investing into real estate, maybe you can share some of those benefits because I know there's a lot of people listening about, you know, real estate investing, they hear these quotes floating around on Instagram, landlords get, you know, rich while they sleep and all of that stories, right? But maybe being an insider, being a, you know, super investor in multifamily industry, maybe you can tell what are the benefits while you're investing in, maybe we can cover actively or passively, whatever, you know, approach you want to take here. Yeah, I think when it comes to real estate, one of the major one of the major benefits besides obviously getting cash flow regardless of what you do or where you are once you make the investment tenants are paying rents every month so you have steady cash flow coming in every month that's mm. the major thing but besides that it's really it's a wonderful tool because the government helps you buy those properties you don't need to buy a hundred percent you don't need to put 100% of, you know, down, you can mm. bring as little as 20 or 30 or 35%. And the rest, you take as a loan from the government. And in the US, you actually have government um, kind of backed agencies, we call mm. them Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And they have you can take a loan for 10 years, for instance, at three and a half percent interest rate. And two to five years of interest only payments. And so it's really, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's really helpful that the government is actually helping to get yeah. you those you know, properties. And then in addition, there's a very viable way of paying little to no tax when it comes to, at least when it comes to multifamily, the, the type of deals that we're involved with, because 
let's say if you've invested a hundred thousand dollars with me, maybe I'll take one step, you know, um, maybe I'll start from the beginning. So let's say I'm looking in Texas and I find a deal. I sign on the loan and I sign, you know, I I'm negotiating with the seller and now I'm starting the due diligence period. It takes about 60 days. And, and in, during that time, I go to my investors and I say, Hey, I have this great, you know, 200 units, for instance, in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, the minimum investment is $50,000 and everyone writes checks. And after we close the property, we basically, we start managing the asset. And after five years, we sell it. And so during that time, let's say you're one of my investors and you wrote a hundred thousand dollar check. Usually I would say between six and $8,000 a year is your return on the hundred thousand dollar check. And that's the return, you know, for five years. And after five years, we sell the property and then you get the rest that, you know, you get your share of, of this from the sale. So if you put a hundred K after five years, you more or less going to end up with $200,000 all inclusive. So instead of paying tax on a hundred thousand dollar profit, you can pay many times zero percent because you pay or not zero percent, sorry, zero dollars because you have, when it comes to multifamily, you have depreciation and you have expenses and you, you tell the government, Hey, I made, I don't know, $20,000 this year in profit, but I had expenses. I, you know, I fixed the roof and the, the property depreciated because now it's a year mm-hmm. old, older and it's worth less, even though many times it's worth more. Yeah. And, but, but for tax purposes, it's, it's worth less than it was a year ago because everything is a year older. Exactly. Depreciated. And so you have on the paper, you have losses that are basically usually higher than your, than your profit. So by the end of the day, you're not paying tax on those profits. Now you can't do it on every property, but that's one of the main benefits when it comes to real estate. In yeah. addition, if you bought a property that is worth, let's say $5 million, now you've pushed rents. So your NOI, your net operating income is, is higher because you have more income. Now the property is worth a lot more because the income is, is, is higher. Then you can take a new loan. Let's say the property was worth 5 million. Now you increase refinance, rents. Now yeah. it's worth yeah, seven million. You do refinancing, so now you take a loan that is not—it's not eighty percent of five million. It's eighty percent of seven million. Mm-hmm. So you return the original loan, and now you have a new loan, but the gap between the five and the seven million loan, you can take it as, as you know, distribution. So we distribute that to investors. And technically it's not profit, it's loan proceeds. So there's no tax also. So there's uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, interesting ways. I just, and you know, you can't do it with other asset classes. <laughs> you, 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 can, you cannot do it in a startup. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you can't do it with, with startups. You can do it maybe with retail and, yeah. um, but with, with multifamily, it's, this is one of the best benefits. Uh, and that's what I, that's why I love real estate. You can be yeah. very creative and you can, 
build your wealth, you know, as, I mean, you can buy one, even if you bought one building your whole life and it's a good building and a good location. And it cash flows forever. I think it can, yeah. it has the ability. It's not that easy. You need to find the right property manager. It needs yeah. to be in the right place, but you can refinance multiple times. You, you know, you can help the property, you know, maintain it and it can cash flow over and over and over again. Yeah. That's the beauty in, in real estate. And again, and again, your job is to find those mismanaged properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's another side to that, you know? So yeah, that's very interesting. You know, again, like I love real estate myself and you know, if we talk specifically because real estate is real estate, you know, there's retail, there's offices, there's single family homes, fourplexes and you know, whatever. So, but that's multifamily properties we're talking, you know, in particular and probably, you know, guys and girls who are watching this right now, you probably came across some people on YouTube or if you're listening to this on a podcast, maybe you heard some people talking about investing in real estate and, of course you can create wealth, but I'm just thinking like how fast you can do that with a fourplex. I mean, it, it, it could take forever. You know, if you mm -hmm. hold on to that, I mean, it's harder to scale because you probably came across stories yourself personally where people have hundred, you know, units in single family homes and then it's hard to sell them. And then you, you know, very hard to manage. Hard to manage is like you have to sign a mortgage every time you buy a house. I mean, there's hundred mortgages and you just, you know, sign one mortgage and that's it. You have hundred units. So it's, it's just, it's no brainer. It's kind of common sense. And that's why I want for people to kind of see, uh, you know, cause it's a great way. Maybe not everybody who's watching this interview right now in a position to go and invest and those type of deals definitely don't recommend to go and start as Ellie said, you know, go and start your own deals right now. Cause maybe the timing and, you know, you don't have the experience and, and the people are not there, but multifamily, it's something that definitely people should pay more attention because now then more than ever, people talking about, okay, coming back to coronavirus and saying like, listen, I need to think about how do I get my second income coming in? Because now people are talking about the cash flow more than before. Because jobs are going to weigh, I mean, a lot of small businesses are going to go away right now and they're probably never going to re reopen. We're talking about the small restaurants, stores, they're like there's a lot of industries going to be affected by that. But, you know, cash flow producing assets, just like Ellie is talking about, is, is definitely a way to go. I don't, want, I don't know if you want to add something to that, but. No, you summarize it beautifully. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. it's, it's, that's, that's the way it is, right? So talking about your personal business, and I know, like, hopefully, well, by, by the sound that you mentioned, you know, like your business is doing super well, in, even in these times, uh, you know, I know there's occupants is hurting in some some of the properties, you know, for some of the investors out there, but that's that's just life. I mean, it's, it's a little bit harder to manage properties currently, but, you know, if you're having those conversations with tenants, I'm pretty sure you're holding the occupancies, you know, high enough. Uh, so talking about your personal business goes, cause you know, always before when I used to talk with the people just like yourself on the podcast, I used to say, that's exactly how I used to say 2020 is kind of special year. I always used to say that and then boom, Corona hit. Yeah. So it's still kind of special because it's a 2020. I just like the number for some reason, but cause I know you probably set some big goals for your business, you know, January or December last year. And you, you thought like, listen, I'm going to get those goals, you know, reach this year. So, but maybe you can share, are you still reaching the same goals? Are you taking a different approach? And like, where are you going with your personal 
you know, business goals this year? Yeah, we definitely adopted. You know, when the market shifts, you have to adapt. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So our goal was to purchase 1,500 units this year, in the year of 2020. But I can tell you that it's probably not going to happen because a lot of deals were, I would say 90% of the deals that are out there in the market are, are just frozen right now. They're on hold because sellers are not, they don't want to buy, they don't want to sell it right now. They want to improve their collections because every drop in income yeah. is going to reduce the price significantly. And sometimes we're talking about millions of dollars. Yeah. So if they don't have to sell right away, they'll wait, you know, maybe three, maybe six months until people are going to, um, you know, until they can collect higher percentage of their, their rents. So we're definitely not going to pursue, you know, the, the same amount of deals as we were before because we're, we're more careful now. We are underwriting, when we're looking at a deal, we're analyzing deals a bit differently right now. We're not looking... We're not including any rent increases for the next year, for instance. And it's something that before we always took into consideration a moderate rate increases, maybe 2%, maybe, maybe three, maybe two and a half percent. And right now it's zero. So that impacts the price that we're willing to pay. So obviously a lot of deals are not working and they, many, most deals didn't work for us because we're very conservative and I'm a very yeah. conservative person, maybe because I used to be a lawyer, but <laughs> we really take, you know, very cautious approach to the deals that we see. And many people mistakenly thought it's going to be like 2008. There's going to be a lot of deals in the market. Now it's the time to buy at a discount. Well, we're talking right now, it's April 27th. Mm -hmm. There are no fire sales out there. Okay. It might be a few years, a few, sorry, months down the road when you're gonna have some landlords gonna be in more, in more trouble. But right now in the US at least, if you want to use forbearance, meaning mm -hmm. put a pause on, click on the pause button on your Lancer. mortgage payments, you can do that for three months. Okay. And so you don't have a dire need from sellers to really sell right now because they can't pay their 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 debt because there's a yeah. way to avoid doing it for at least the next 90 days that's one part of it um and the other part is that i think lenders and banks learned from their mistakes back in 2008 and i was a lawyer back then so i i was representing clients in front of banks commercial banks so i really felt the pain back then but banks don't want to take over real estate because they don't know how to yeah. manage and how to sell them. They don't it's want it. They, 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 exactly. They make a profit on a mortgage. I mean, that that's where they make the money. Yeah. They want that. Yeah. So. Once they have, once they take over, it becomes a liability on their books and it affects yeah. their valuation. It's an, it's a mess. So they're doing whatever they can to give, you know, to help landlords hold on to their properties until they put things back in motion and until everything is back, you know, once basically everyone is back to work and um, they can keep paying the debt. So that's why it's very different than 2008. We mm -hmm. don't see a lot of deals. A lot of people go bankrupt and also multifamily is different than single family homes. Yeah. So the default rate in 2008 for multifamily properties was about half a percent, half a percent wow. default. 
Single family home is a different story because once your tenant doesn't pay, you're a hundred percent vacant. You're a hundred percent, you have a hundred percent what we call bad debt, hundred percent delinquency. So that's a different story. But with multifamily, you know, even you, you, you look at the numbers. So for some properties that we own, if half the, the property or 40% of the tenants are not paying, only then we're breaking even. And that's mm-hmm. kind of an yeah. extreme situation. Yeah. Yeah. In April, we've collected 99% of, um, of rents. Wow. So, and the average in the U.S. for April was 93%. There we Last go. So time above I checked, average, was about, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, I would say about, a week ago, it was 93%. By now, it's probably close to 95 because every day you have more and more tenants that are paying late but are still able to, yeah. to pay more uh, rent. So, so that's why it's, uh, we, don't, we don't see that many deals out there. You know, there's a gap between sellers and buyers right now in the U.S. when basically buyers want to buy properties at 15 to 20% discount or 10 mm-hmm. to 15% discount. And sellers are saying, no, rents collections were not that bad. It doesn't justify a huge decrease in price. And that's why a lot of the sellers are saying, you know what, we're just going to pause the sale. Yeah. So we were looking into some deals and the sellers just decided to pause until things are back to normal until maybe we'll wait for three months, maybe we'll wait for six, maybe for nine months. We don't know, but yeah. we don't have to sell. We're not going to sell. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense for them because they don't want to make this, you know, not well thought out decision because they're scared. Like they're uncertain what's going to happen and they're just going to dump it. And then it's like, Oh, we made a mistake about by doing that. So it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't have to sell right now and you can wait for six more months, you can either sell now or in six months, but if you're going to sell now, you're going to sell it at a 3 million discount. What would you do? And you can still, yeah. assuming you can still, you know, hold it and you're, you don't have to sell yeah. it anyway. If you, if you can hold it, because if it's mismanaged, I mean, if, if the occupancy below the 40%, which could be like in your case, that's the, maybe that's the threshold, let's say in the worst case scenario. But if, if you're losing money, I mean, if it's below the threshold of, you yeah. know, positive cash flow and maybe they're looking to dump it. So that's another maybe. case. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's not many cases at this point. It's, it's a bit too yeah. early to see those cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I love what you said, you know, about uh, careful underwriting the properties. And I think in the future, maybe we'll think about, hey, maybe we implement this coronavirus just in case it's going to happen in the future. You know? Cause <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not yeah. too crazy to think about it, huh? <laughs> yeah, it could be, could be, you know, just, just put some bio attack in there just in case, you know, it's going to be 10% vacant, 10%, you know, occupied or something. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Like I don't know. Like I'm not from states, except the flag that we have. You know, it's it's beautiful. But uh, like being from there, maybe you can tell. You know, people before before we're gonna you know wrap this up. Uh, you know, first of all, I just want to say uh, you know I really enjoy the show. It's it's phenomenal. Great experience Thank talking you. with you. But you know, being being from there, maybe you kind of tell people because there's a lot of people panicking. But again, you you're you're seeing what's going on in there. And again, you're maybe the circle that you have. Uh, maybe they're making decisions a little bit different and maybe they are seeing the angles that a lot of people are not seeing because a lot of people following the media and all of that, you know, all only the negative news. But what you're seeing currently with the corona, like, what do you think? Where is it going? How long does it last? I mean, is there any good, you know, uh, projections, you know, in front of us? Well, at least from what's happening in the U.S., we have the growth rates 
declining. We have states like Texas and Georgia. So Georgia opened up the, you heard, know, yeah. the economy. Texas, I think they're going to go back to work on Friday. So you have, you know, barbershops, for instance, are going to stay closed until mid-May, but oh, no. a lot of restaurants <laughs> and I know a lot of restaurants and other businesses are going to open and movie theaters. I, I think it's 25% um, yeah. capac- 25% capacity. So they are reopening the States slowly, whether this is the right decision, I don't mm. know, but I think, you know, panicking is actually the worst thing to do because not only yeah. it affects so your true. mindset and nothing good comes out of it. You need to, you know, follow guidelines you know when i leave i'm wearing a mask i'm yep. wearing gloves um and we're, we all keep six feet apart so nobody's is walking me down the street close to anyone else i don't know about other states but in california mm-hmm. that's what we do and so you know panicking i mean this might happen again and recession will happen for sure so we can't just you know freak out every time there's a recession and every time it feels like it's the end of the world 2008 felt like it was the end of the world yeah. uh, 911 felt like it was the end of the world and now this cuz every time we see we've never seen anything like that mm-hmm. i hope we're not going to see anything similar to to that but you you right what you said earlier we might so panicking or letting fear control you that's that's wrong because you're you're going to hit one of those roadblocks at some point again and it's all about what do you do with it okay now i'm in that position how can i protect myself from the next cycle the next thing that is going to hit me how do i diversify how do i make sure i'm not going to be vulnerable and that's kind of the mindset that that should lead us and that's a proactive positive mindset yes there's a pandemic yes it's deadly but there's nothing you can do to change it besides obviously, you know, take precautions and, and, um, and stay indoors as much as possible. Yep. But freaking out is not going to help. It's about educating yourself, be more conservative when you underwrite, for instance, and this, you know, this shall pass. I don't know when exactly, but this shall pass. And those who were too frightened to do anything, I think are going to miss great opportunities. Yeah. Oh, you, you just nailed it. Definitely. Cause there's a lot of opportunities for people who are keeping their eyes open. I mean, and it's like, look at the, there's going to be a tremendous wealth created in this, in this particular time. And people are watching and thinking like, what, what, what do you mean? Like the, the world is going Absolutely. to, you know, going down. And, but that's what happens. Cause people who are open, just like Ellie's, you know, like when you have this different mindset, you know, of like, okay, listen, like, being control first of all of what's happening so being control of that you know the inches that are around you and then then you will start to see those type of opportunities that exist even in the times like these because in the worst times like 2008 there's a lot of so many people became wealthy probably in that time where a lot of people lost everything that they had mm-hmm. right of, co- of course you're mm-hmm. absolutely right this this is the time and i would say yeah. educate yourself read books listen to podcasts go to either my website elikoroman.com or bigger pockets you know i also have a mentoring program so i'm teaching people mm-hmm. how to become syndicators and how to do what i do and actually we have an increased demand for my program because a lot of people understood how you know how vulnerable they are right now and they yeah. wanted to take charge of their lives and be proactive so when we're out of this stage and when it's 
you know, when they feel more comfortable buying, start buying, they're going to have all the tools. So now they take then Now it's the best time, you know, to learn. So that's exactly. one way of doing it. If, if you want to learn more about it, uh, if one of the listeners want to learn more about it, you can find information on my website or you can go to ready to scale and you can find all the information there. Um, and if you want to kind of start educating yourself, you go to my website, Ellie Perlman, you can basically have on, you can see, you can download a guide. It's a free guide um, on my website with the top critical components that every passive investor should look into when they're evaluating a deal. So whether you invest yeah. with your family, with a syndicator or by yourself, they're kind of very, very basic deal components that you need to make sure you understand when you're looking at a deal and that can guide you you know through the decision making process of whether to join or you know or invest in that deal i'm also a passive investor so it's kind of you know these are the things that i look at when i'm looking at other deals and um i think it's going to be very valuable couldn't agree more and you know you're providing already like you have the podcast because i'm on your website currently so blogs you you're very active on forbes.com uh, as well i know mm -hmm. so you do the podcast mentoring and other you know resources for people just to roll i mean we're talking about free stuff so you're giving up you know so much for people because again coming back like look everybody's sitting at home and if you're watching this video you're probably sitting at home if not you should you know you should, but yeah. uh, <laughs> well hopefully everything is finished while while you're watching this but uh you know, it's definitely some great resources and, you know, a couple of things to mention, you know, like the best time to educate yourself about, you know, once that is going to be over, as I mentioned, what I'm going to do after. So the time is available now. There are zero excuses. Time is there. So you can go and actually learn some great valuable things that will put you in a position again, you know, for the next year or two, you know, so you will be like, okay, I know what to do in real estate space. I know how to invest. Or there's another great way you can invest passively because I heard by talking by, you know, with a few real estate investors before this said, as, as far as I heard, it's a great way to learn about real estate investing as well. By the way, you're making passive income at the same time. So it's just a great vehicle. I mean, I can add more and I hope it doesn't sound like a pitch to you who are listening or watching, but it's just a true, because I believe it's, you know, so much in real estate, like I'm not actively or passively involved into real estate and you guys who follow me know that but you know we will at some point because for now it's all about for us to putting resources together and scaling our business but it's definitely going to happen because we believe it in the real estate so much but it's been a phenomenal show i really appreciate the time ellie you know it's it's tremendous value wealth of knowledge again you know you bring you brought us today shared some great tips about the mindset you know changing here that's what it's all about changing the mindset and the approach in the marketplace which uh, is going to be so beneficial so i hope you guys took some great notes make sure to follow ellie on ellieperlman.com i'm going to add the linkedin instagram facebook all the social media links so you can go and follow her and connect with her and just just ask her a bunch of questions but i want to really thank you today for being here and you know putting the time in and the effort and is bringing all this information for us to make sure that we can implement that information and you know because just become better and do more in in, a, in a times like these so i really appreciate that yeah absolutely it was a pleasure to be here and i, I had a lot of fun so i love talking about real estate and uh i i think i mean you had great questions so some of them i had to really think and say oh wait i've never thought about it 
So yeah. thank you for that. No problem, no problem. I really enjoyed this as well. So guys, again, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did that, click the like, subscribe to the channel. Again, go and check it out early, early, uh, early promo stuff as well. And as always, I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thank you, guys.